Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Speak the Truth. I did the hello greeting, Michael, because that's your thing. I'm still going to use that? it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're uh, here in studio today on Speak the Truth. We're so thankful that you're listening in. And um, we got a lot of great feedback from the marriage case study that we did before. And so this podcast, we're going to do that again. But we're going to meet a new guy named Andy. But just really quick, everybody want to say hello? Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everyone. We're really excited again to be here, and we're just thankful for just all the encouragement that you guys have been sending. And uh, the last uh, podcast, Michael uh, gave us an an email address, so just remember if there's any topics that you want us to address, you can actually send us an email at topics at speakthetruth.org, because we want to hear from you. This is for you, not for us, and so even though we're learning and growing and loving our time together, but uh, we want to make sure that we're um, helping you and wherever God's called you and, and the challenges that you're facing or maybe expound on certain areas. So please take that time to send us an email. All right. So today we're going to meet Andy. I'm going to read the case study and then we'll just jump in kind of um, giving questions or scriptures or thoughts on kind of where we would go with him. So Andy is 27 years old and just finished college this year. He reports being angry all the time. The majority of his time is spent playing video games with his buddies and getting used to his new career selling office supplies. Andy smokes pot on the occasional weekend and is 100 pounds overweight and couldn't care less. To him, this is life. Growing up, Andy spent most of his time in his bedroom. Since his mother was an irritation to him and father in his own world, Andy learned early how to live his own life in his own way. Football was fun for a year, basketball for two years, and band for two months. In Andy's words, dad really didn't pay attention when I went out for football, but seemed embarrassed by how bad I was at it. Andy describes his dad as driven, successful, angry, and out of reach, and he describes his mother as smothering. When the family went to church, Andy went to church. Bible sermons and church stuff was a bore to him, and he was happiest when they stopped making him go altogether. He knows about Jesus, but admits having no interest in Christianity or any other religion. That works for some people, but just not for me. Andy is loyal to his friends, but quick to blow up if someone crosses him. And people tend to be quite intimidated by Andy and avoid him if they can. But he has a few friends that would do anything for him if called upon. He's energetic about things he's interested in, yet easily bored by everything else. He criticizes people often, but hates to be criticized. And though quite guarded, there is something quite likable about Andy. All right, so overall, I think we see that Andy seems unmotivated. So what would you want to address with him, um, Jeremy? Like what kind of questions would you want to maybe ask him or address with him on maybe his lack of motivation or purpose in life? Anything come to mind? Uh, Well, I might... uh as far as motivation is concerned, um, I would maybe just put it on him to tell me, you know, you sound like you are not motivated by much. What do you think's going on? Just mm-hmm. kind of point that back to him and begin to explore that with him. Mm-hmm. Michael, what are your thoughts? Well, um, he says he reports being angry all the time, but the more you kind of hear about his life, it seems like his anger is really more selective to a circumstance he doesn't really like. 
Mm-hmm. So I would probably ask him to give me examples of angry all the time so that he would realize it's not all the time. I wonder how we could identify what he's angry about, like the root of his anger, because it seems like he can care less about his life. And it's just like, this is how it is. So what's really driving the anger? It, so- it sounds to me there's a lot going on with his father um, growing up that dad must, at least from his perspective, dad was a bit aloof and uninvolved and so it sounds to me a little bit like andy has chosen to adopt somewhat of a victim mindset mm-hmm. um everything's against him uh, and when you develop that kind of mindset yeah uh, you also kind of well the, the world kind of revolves around you mm-hmm. and you begin to justify all sorts of behavior because you've been dealt a bad hand and so i would want to just talk to him more about what, what went on with dad? Uh, give me more perspective as to the relationship and how you would conceptualize it. What was missing? Uh, how much do you blame your father for where you are in life or how you feel about even your level of motivation? Mm-hmm. It sounds like he was very potentially very motivated by dad's approval and attention mm-hmm. uh, in all of these different activities like sports but when dad wasn't very interested, he sort of just shifted wherever, you know, the next the next place could be that might garner dad's attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true, because he said his dad paid attention when he was uh, playing football. But then when he wasn't very good at football, his dad just seemed embarrassed. Yes. So it was like trying out for these things to get dad's approval, but then not really, I guess, measuring up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michael. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was just looking at that same thing and, and seeing that, you know, to, to Jeremy's point, that victim mentality is helping him realize, like, well, if you're a victim, then your dad's the victim, too, because you look, you're calling him out for where he fell short and look at how you're falling short in your life. Like, you're you're exhibiting the same behavior that your dad is. Yes. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just at a different level. He's an, you know, he's a grown man at this point. So he's had years of kind of tempering his anger in different ways and, and having it manifest itself in different ways where he's 27. So he deals with his, you know, frustrations and everything else to, you know, smoke pot, hang out with his friends. So when he's doing what he wants to do, he's having a great time. And it even says towards the end that he's a, he's a really likable guy, which truth be told, he sounds like a lot of guys, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like we think, you know, men are cool and when you see them in the context where they're having fun, but you don't see them when they have to do things that aren't favorable to them, which is, mm-hmm. you know, as you stated, they've been dealt a bad hand. No, like the majority of our life, we're stuck doing things we technically don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So just well, having and some you, of that and conversation with yeah, them. Yeah, and you brought up like the smoking pot, which is something that here in Texas, you know, with that being illegal, we don't, you know, we deal with it, but not to the context of it being okay to smoke. But when I just recently went to Oregon and working with the uh, counseling team out there, you know, spot pot is legal there. And those are cases that they handle on a daily basis. And so I wonder, because this case study actually mentions it, is that something that as a counselor, we might want to address a little bit in a way of, could that be one of the reasons why he's unmotivated? You know? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah. It It has those effects on people. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe addressing that on, you know, I guess whatever state you're in, you would probably have to address it differently if you're in Texas versus Oregon, but, or other states, you know, but, um, that might be something you definitely want to kind of gather a little bit more information on. Yes. Yeah. And, and then also to, sorry, Jeremy, were you about to say something? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, 
you know, in, in kind of establishing that first piece, um, kind of building some debt off of that, I would then go to the church because right there's an end saying, okay, he has some church context in his life, but he, he seemed disinterested. Well, why is that? And he was happy when he didn't have to go. So what is it about God that is disinteresting to him? Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it in the category of, um, you know, everything outside of friends and pot I'm really not interested in, and life is, I've compartmentalized my life, and when I'm doing this side of my life, I, I'm, I stay kind of angry and frustrated, but, you know, it's kind of that thing of I live, I work hard, to party harder kind of thing. You know, it's like I do what I got to do, but when I'm doing it, I don't have a good attitude. I could care less. It is what it is. But when I'm over here, man, I'm full of life. Mm-hmm. You know, like spiritually, how, how do you, how can you reconcile that? So where's he at with God? So that's probably when I would begin to introduce that a little bit to kind of see what's going on there. Yeah. Definitely would be having at some point, maybe not, maybe first meeting. Um, I would want to hear, his his explanation and his story as far as salvation goes. Yeah. Uh, does he consider himself a Christian? Uh, the answer to that would certainly dictate where we would go with the conversation. But if, if he does believe he's a Christian, I would want to really press in on him as it, as far as his heart's attitude about God, uh, about church, and his heart. And, you know, if God has <clears throat> awakened your heart in salvation— you begin your affections begin to change not not meaning that sometimes you're you may feel a little more dull or less excited about your faith than other times but it sounds to me that uh, we would really want to begin to get a good grounding on is this guy actually a christian or not because according to the case study it it's very hard for me to think that he probably is mhm actually playing off of what you just said there is a statement here that said uh, andy says that works for some people just not for me so a tip for the counselor would be not just asking a question like, well, why doesn't it work for you? But more so getting him to say, well, you said it works for other people. What kind of things have you seen? How have you seen God work in other people's lives mm-hmm. to just kind of see what he has actually, what God has already like revealed to him and how he's seen God work in other people. And then, then jumping into, well, why do you think that God would do that for others and not for you? And then maybe then I would assume maybe certain things come up about his worth not feeling like he measures up to his own dad and other types of things, you know, maybe just not a true, he says he knows about Jesus, but obviously might not know Jesus. And so gaining an understanding of where he is on that. And so that's just a tip of sometimes when you data gather, you know, try to jump in on from another perspective than just saying, well, why do you not think it works for you? You know, I don't know. Thoughts on that? No, it's good. I think, I think that statement alone, you know, if he means, it's worked out for others, but not for me. In other words, I've tried that path, but my life never got better. Mm-hmm. He's projecting that that victim mm-hmm. mentality onto God as though God is the victimizer mm-hmm. of him. Um, and so that's a very powerful theological statement that he may not realize he's making that I would want to explore with him also. Mm-hmm. Very close to his uh, commentary towards his dad. Like his dad yes. really paid attention to him. So God's only paying attention to me when I'm like in his house. Yes. Or when I'm doing what he wants me to do mm-hmm. versus what I want to do. And paying attention to me means he's made my life really easy or good or pleasurable or whatever right. he's wanting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, would you want to um, jump in on the anger 
you know, first, because it obviously he's, he criticizes people, but doesn't like to be criticized. He obviously blows up if someone crosses him. So he, he obviously has a lot of deep rooted anger. As a counselor, would you suggest our counselors to kind of start off in that anger? Like, what are the things that makes him angry and him try to keep like an anger log? Or would you maybe do that a few sessions later after you kind of address some of these other things? Any thoughts on that? Um, I, again, this is kind of, I mean, theoretical because we don't, I mean. Yeah, we're just kind of. Yeah, so um, I think I would, I would probably wait a couple times because I would want to do a little more data gathering and, and I would want to hear more things by his own admission on what he, under, how he understands his anger. Um, and establishing, you know, again, to Jeremy's point, just that whole victimizing mentality. Um, what's the, what's the extent of it? Like, does he really, you know, cause I think a lot of people, you know, in, in to get outside of this case for a moment, uh, in dealing with, uh, with, with men, uh, that, you know, come in for anger, they say that they're angry, um, that are, you know, understanding the root of anger, what is anger? So understanding more of a theological perspective of the anger, uh, realizing it's a, it's a, it's a moral response to something. Right. And so, um, before I got to that particular point, um, I would, I would probably do a little more data gathering to hear his perspective of his own anger mm-hmm. and then try to see, you know, based on his response to God and kind of some things that Jeremy mentioned and, and you also, kind of putting that together and consolidating that a little bit would probably determine how I would approach that anger conversation, mm-hmm. biblically speaking, like three or four times after we met, maybe. That's I like good. that. I, I, I always, when I'm uh, training interns, will tell them one of the most important things I think you need to do on the front end in those first few sessions is get a very good conceptual understanding of what the person thinks the problem is. Mm-hmm. So uh, along the line of what Michael was saying, it's as simple as saying, okay, so Andy, I hear you saying that you report that you're angry almost all the time. So let's let's think about a few things. What makes you angry? What triggers you? Um, what causes your anger? Just those questions alone we're going to let him answer them the way he wants to answer them because that's going to tell us a lot about the, where he's placing the location of the cause. Um, you know, a lot of people will, will, will point to what we call in our culture the trigger, um, but it gives us an opportunity when we do come back around to maybe re, reframe how he's understanding the issue, uh, hopefully helping him recognize that the location of the cause of your anger lives inside of you. Um, but to help for me to do that well, I want to do what Michael just said and ask good questions to, to get an understanding of what he thinks the problems actually are, Mm -hmm. whether that's the anger, dad, not being motivated, all of those things. Mm -hmm. I also think too, it's, it's really good on the, um, you know, when you mentioned earlier about like the victim mentality, remember with you being the counselor, if you're the counselor out there listening, you're not going to, um, you know, say, Hey, Andy, you seem like you're acting like the victim here. Like you're not going to call that out and put that, but as the counselor, you're going to identify that, like, this is how we feel like he's operating. And then now we can use questions that we're asking to kind of guide us in that way. Mm. I think sometimes it's, you don't want to communicate as a counselor in a way that makes the person defensive, you know, that they have to defend or justify their actions, but you can use it as something that 
maybe the spirit's kind of revealed in a way of this is where I think he's going or where he's struggling with. And so then you counsel and guide him in scripture according to that versus just announcing it. You know what I mean? I think that's a, just a tip in some cases, maybe you do, but I just feel like, and I think, no, I think that's huge wisdom. I always lean in the direction of asking a question. So I might say, um, in my own mind, I might be thinking, wow, this guy really feels like he's a victim in many areas. But the way I would articulate that out loud would be, well, Andy, it sounds like life or people are very oppressive or that life has been unfair to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, even God has been unfair to you. Let's talk. T- tell me a lot more about where you're coming from on that. Yeah, that's good. So counselors just, you know, practice and be aware of the way that you word things and how you question them mm-hmm. and things like that. I think that's really good. And then, Michael, I mean, do you have any thoughts on maybe a scripture verse that could be used and kind of taken Andy through in this particular case? Yeah, I do. And actually, we're going to make that a part two. Uh, yeah, okay. so we're we're right at time. So uh, again, we want to encourage uh, everybody to email us uh, topics at speakthetruth.org if you want to uh, have us talk about something specific, a particular topic. Obviously, email us at topics at speakthetruth.org. Until then, speak the truth.